stories of ambition, drive, success, and the personalities behind them. I'm Whitney Coonan. And I'm Macy McLean. And you're listening to Power in Heels. Today, we're talking about plastic surgery. Yeah, you heard that right. It is definitely an industry and profession with so many misconceptions, but today we're going to break it all down and talk about it. We are so excited to have the wonderful Dr. Nancy DeClaire joining us today. Scalpel, sponge, clamp, ligature, scissors, retractor, Well, I think the best way to start off would to be to ask um, where your interest in medicine came from, or I mean, if you were always interested in medicine from the beginning, or if this is something that kind of came along later. Great question. So I would say that when I was around 15 years old, I thought I might be interested in medicine, and I really didn't like school. And so that was just a little something that was in the back of my mind, but I would say way in the back of my mind. I didn't have role models or mentors. And so I just thought, wouldn't that be cool? My first job was at a nursing home because my older sister got a job at a nursing home. And you know how hard it is to get your first job when you're a teenager. So my aunt was a nurse at that nursing home. So she suggested my older sister, why don't you get a part-time job here? And of course they hired her. So then they hired me as well. And I kind of easily fell into this rhythm of taking care of people. It, it was not like, yes, we worked hard, but it wasn't, it was fun. It was enjoyable work. And um, I was deciding, shall I study science or what shall I do? And as it turned out, my older sister, again, um, a real, she really was a mentor to me. And many of my friends went into nursing. So I thought, well, I really like science and I really feel comfortable taking care of people. And I didn't even think I put a lot of thought into it, but I knew I had to do something after high school. So that's what I did. And then I worked as a nurse for a few years and um, I just had this burning desire still to study science. So I decided to go back to university and um, that was met with mixed reviews. Oh, really? Yes. So some of my family and some of my friends had very differing opinions. So some thought that I was kind of crazy. (laughs) Like, why would you do that? You have a wonderful career ahead of you. You're already worked at it for a few years. And why would you change anything? Yet other um, people, friends and family said, that's awesome. That's exciting. And so I gave up my job, my apartment, moved to another city and I studied science and, um, really, really loved it. And I decided, yes, this is what I want to do is pursue my, my medical degree. So that's what I did. So awesome. What would you say was the biggest challenge if there were any, um, when you went back to school? There's always the question of confidence. Um, so I think that's a challenge for every single person, even people that come across really confident. I think that funny, I wasn't worried about my loss of income or where I was going to live or, anything. It was just like, and I didn't question if I was doing the right thing. So I really felt that I had enough supports around me that were on the amazing, awesome side that I could go ahead with it. I guess there was a bit of a challenging challenge, convincing my other 
um, people who didn't think it was such a great idea because you do really need that team of supporters. Um, but they came around. Mm-hmm. So I would say that was a challenge. Now, I'd love to talk about um, the move into surgery. So uh, how exactly does that work? So you, you do science and then med school. And then what's the move after that? Because, you know, after med school, you can go much different directions. It doesn't have to be surgery, right? So how does that work? Right. So after my undergraduate degree, so then you apply to medical school. Medical school in Canada is normally four years at most schools. And then in your final year of medical school, you apply to your the specialty that you want to do, whether that's family medicine or radiology, surgery, internal medicine, and then there's many surgical subtypes. So that application process requires you to have experience in that field, which you gain through electives, references from that field, and then it also requires interviews. And then it all takes place on one day. Everything gets fed into the CARMS match computer. And on the same day, everyone across the country in Canada finds out what program they're going into. Oh my gosh. Is that what I always see? I see it on TikTok a lot now, like match day and all these med school students are showing off their matches and everything. Yeah. How, how stressful is that? Because it seems like a really exciting, but also like really stressful moment for other people. How, how does that feel for you? Yeah, it is, it is stressful because you're not even sure what you want to do yet. Oh, <laughs> Because you don't actually know that specialty. So it's like any education, you step into it, but it is a stressful day for sure. And because you're concerned about your friends too, because they may or may not have got the program they wanted. So the whole class in, so in my day, it was done, we went to class and we were given an envelope. Oh, oh my goodness. Nowadays, I'm sure it's online, um, but that's how it was done in uh, 1997. That's pretty dramatic. You have to open this envelope in front of everybody, in front of all your friends and hope that it's what you really want. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And am I right in assuming that sometimes people have to move pretty far to to go to these different specialty schools? Yes, it's across Canada. So you can apply to any residency. And some people move to the States and do residencies there. So that's outside of the CARMS match. You may not get your first choice. You may get the specialty you want. And some people apply to multiple specialties in one city because they want to live in that city. And there are couples matches. So people who are couples will sometimes enter the match together so that they'll try to rank them together. Oh, interesting. When you picked your specialty, why did you decide on that specialty? Um, It was really tough for me to decide which specialty because I liked so many aspects of medicine. And um, having been a nurse before, I always saw myself as either an anesthetist or cardiologist because those were the areas I knew really well. Um, But plastic surgery is a really special specialty because we take care of such a broad range of people. So from the very, very young to the very, very old and everybody in between. And we take care of people who are critically ill to people who have very, very minor things. And so when you go to a plastic surgery clinic during your training, and even in my practice, you see all of those patients in one clinic. And it's so that makes it fascinating. And then as well, we also operate on the whole body. So there's a lot of variety. Plastic is from the word plasticus, which is both a Greek and Latin word spelled differently in both languages. But what it means is to mold or to form. And that's what plastic surgery does. So we're able to make things that weren't there before, able to make things change shape. And the goal is really form and function. And so a big component of plastic surgery is the function. For example, hand surgery falls under plastic surgery. 
And so, and so does nerve surgery. And so repairing things so they work properly, but there's always the form part of it. So even in hand surgery, we're concerned about the aesthetics of the hand so that the hand also looks um, sort of acceptable, I guess is the best word. Yeah. So it's, it's a fascinating specialty. It's very, very creative. My um, question kind of moving forward is how hard is it to break into the realm of plastic surgery? And like, is it something that a lot of people tend to go into? I think when you're doing that CARMS match, everyone thinks what they want is the hardest to get. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the radiologists think, oh, there's only so many positions in Canada and the plastic surgeons say the same thing, but the ratios are probably about the same that are applying. So within Canada, there's around 400 to 500 plastic surgeons. So there's actually not a lot of us. Um, there, there were three people in my year training in Toronto when I trained and um yeah, I mean, it is competitive to get into your program, but I think you put that pressure on yourself with the not knowing. True. <laughs> and if you just kind of think back to your very first surgery that you ever did, what was that like? And can you kind of tell us a little bit about the emotions and, and that experience? Um, so I would say that's a stressful time because you know, <laughs> Fair enough. you know you're trained, you know that you're prepared and capable and your patient has consented for surgery and your patient can see that you're young. So they, you know, they know that you're not the most experienced person. You really have to break it down to the smaller pieces and follow the steps of your procedure and uh, have confidence in yourself. I remember when I started my practice, one of the more senior doctors I saw in the hospital and I thought, boy, I just can't wait till I just have that experience. I really, really looked forward to having that experience. And you're obviously well into your career. So what do you think has changed um, since you first began? I would say that my career has taken a few different directions. I first started off as a trauma surgeon, and then I worked as a general plastic surgeon, and now I'm doing aesthetic surgery. Certainly my love for learning and my desire to help people hasn't changed. In fact, it's been strengthened. I think what I've learned through my career is that if you follow something that you like, then doors will open to you to more things that you'd like. And if you speak to other people about how they see you in roles, then that will um, help guide your career as well. So you don't always need to take people's advice like I didn't when I was going back to university. But I certainly listened to all these people and I asked myself, where are they coming from that they would give me that advice? It's funny that I, I think your true person and your true values stay the same. Don't think they change dramatically, um, but I think you start to see them a little bit clearer in yourself. Stick around. Next up on Power and Heels. People can't judge other people for what they do because some people have granite countertops and some people have a tummy tuck. And the self esteem that it gives people is truly the gift. Now, talking about various procedures that you do, what what would you say is the most common procedure? Right now, my practice focuses on aesthetic surgery. So I do a lot of body contouring surgery, a lot of liposuction, a lot of tummy tucks. Prior to um, leaving OHIP, which I did a few years ago, I would was doing a lot of carpal tunnel releases, a lot of hand reconstruction, a lot, a lot of skin cancer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What's the most complex to do, in your opinion? (laughs) 
Yeah, so, I mean, one of the most complex things that plastic surgeons do is um, microvascular repair. So attaching tiny, tiny little blood vessels. And yeah, (laughs) the complexity can be be because of the problem that's presented. So sometimes it's a multi-stage reconstruction. Um, like in a cleft lip patient, that would they would need multiple operations throughout their life. So it depends on the complexity of the anatomy. A really big part of it is the complexity of the patient. So how willing they are to undergo surgery if they need it and how well they are able to understand the procedure and the relationship with the patient is really, really key. Some really neat things were discovered in plastic surgery, like microsurgery, for example. The um, microsurgery couldn't be done until a suture needle could be made small enough to go through the blood vessel without tearing it. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> wait, what? No, 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 hold on. So, a, a needle. So, if you're attaching two blood vessels together, you take a tiny little needle it's, and the, the suture is like a hair, right? Like a blonde hair, really thin. And you take, so you sew that. So your needle has to go, of course, like sewing through the one blood vessel through the other, and then you tie your little knot. And so the big barrier to that was the needle was too large. So until industry could provide a smaller needle, <laughs> microsurgery didn't happen. How do you see what you're doing if it's that tiny? I feel like this is a very ignorant question and I apologize for that, but like... <laughs> So we operate with a microscope. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if we're not using a microscope because we need a bigger field, then we use magnifying glasses. That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, plastic, this is why it's such a fascinating specialty. Yeah. The reason plastic surgery started was after the, um, after the world wars. So because there were so many people who were burned and injured and disfigured, after the Second World War, um, a plastic surgeon named Ross Tilly, he started almost experimenting on people who were willing to be experimented on. And and they were called the guinea pig club. These patients <laughs> were seriously. And, and he was able to advance plastic surgery through that. It, it became a wow. new specialty. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now I want to talk a little bit more about like procedures and stuff. Do you have a favorite procedure, which I know sounds weird to ask, but I'm actually curious. <laughs> I have lots of favorite procedures. I, I am. <laughs> I guess I really, really like doing facelifts because it's a complex surgery. It is very detail oriented and it's such a personal thing for people to go through. It is a, I would say a mental challenge for people to make that decision and then to recover during that first time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I really enjoy the, the technical challenge. And being able to help people in that way. People can't judge other people for what they do because some people have granite countertops and some people have a tummy tuck. And so this is what I love about plastic surgery. It's so very personal. And to be a plastic surgeon and to have a patient come to you with a problem and show you that problem and trust you enough to tell you how that problem bothers them. And then for me to be able to take them through surgery and see them through to the other side of their healing is really such a gift. It's it's really wonderful to be able to establish that trusting relationship and be able to help people. And the self-esteem that it gives people is truly the gift to see people beaming just because someone cared enough to help them. That's, that's really what I love about plastic surgery. That's so cool. 
with any surgery, you're, you probably have scars. How, how do you hide the scars after a facelift or what do you, how does that work? So actually the good blood supply to the head and neck allows the scars to heal really, really nicely in most cases. Oh, yeah. And it's a matter of training and experience, knowing where to place the scar and what direction and what length and, and um, to help it fade as much as possible. Is there like a procedure that you really dislike doing? <laughs> No, not so much. No. Fair enough. That's good. No, because every procedure comes with a person. Mm. That's true. And so it's a person's story. And so that makes it um, makes it worthwhile. You're able to transform a lot of people's lives. I'm sure it's a very rewarding profession. But in your opinion, what would you say was the most rewarding experience if you have one in mind? Oh, that's so hard to say. Um to me, the most rewarding is seeing my patients back and follow up and seeing how they're doing. And, um, you know, what's, what may seem small to us is so big to people. And so I really, I'm really aware how just little details in people's lives are so important, just like the details of my surgery really do predict the outcome. You know, even if someone just has a little spot in their skin removed, it can be such a big thing for them. Mm-hmm. So what's so rewarding to me is when my patients express that to me and let me know, right? It just reminds me, yes, this is worthwhile and useful. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, sometimes my patients bring me gifts and one of the most thoughtful gifts was from an elderly man who brought me a bag of apples from his apple tree in the backyard. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever run into your patients out in the world? And, and how, do you, how do you deal with that? Um, yes, I run into my patients all the time in the community. I remember going to my office one day and my patient, one of my early morning patients said to me, do you have three blonde children that get on the bus? And I said, yes, I do. And I realized living in a smaller town, my patients were going to get to know me. And it made me uncomfortable at first until I understood that you're the same person everywhere. And so it doesn't matter if people know things about you. And so my kids say that I know everybody in town because people approach me, but of course I don't approach people because Mm. that's the confidentiality piece. Do you have like a favorite interaction with somebody that you kind of run into in public that you've worked with? Yes. I was in a music store buying some music for my children and I ran into a patient who of course I wouldn't speak to except to just be friendly like you would to a stranger and because I wouldn't acknowledge that doctor-patient relationship in public. And she turned to me and said, I know you from somewhere. And then she said, you're Dr. DeClaire. And she turned to my children and said, your mother is a wonderful surgeon. And that was really uh, touching to me. That's so sweet. I love that story. Hey, it's Macy and Whitney. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Power and Heels. Make sure to join the conversation and never miss a new episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. And if you had to gather together three challenges, three of your biggest challenges that you've had to face in your career, um, how were you able to then manage them and, and overcome these challenges? Okay, so I think one of the challenges for me was um, starting a family. So I started my family when I was doing my surgical training. So that's a very, very busy time. And um, I was the first female in my program to have a child during training. And so, you know, it made me sort of 
stand out a little bit because I was pregnant and I was going to have to be taking time off. And I dealt with that just by letting my program know as soon as possible and just being open and honest about me needing time off and, you know, having honest conversations about what would be the best plan about how much time to take off and how to get back into the training again once I returned. You know, I was sort of treated like, what do you mean you're going to take three months off? It was the longest maternity leave I actually took. And and I thought, well, what if you had a heart attack? I need a three months off. But that wasn't felt to be the same thing. This seemed to be an imposition that I was putting on my colleagues, by some of my colleagues, not all. So I think that can be better. During my training, I had an encounter with someone who was senior to me. And and I don't think that he managed a patient in a very good way. And I expressed that to him as gently as I could. And he asked me if I was PMS. Oh, oh <laughs> what? Just why? <laughs> because I was, I guess I seemed a little irritated or I just wasn't going along with things. And, and so, um, yes, fortunately I had a good rapport with my directors, my program director and so on. And so I was able to meet with them and, um, and, things were looked at and yeah that yeah I can't even believe that (laughs) it's pretty hard to believe that that would be that someone speaking up gets you know put to being hormonal oh my gosh well and the problem is too like you're like it's so unbelievable but unfortunately like it's a very common sort of story yeah when I started my career I worked day to day and week to week and month to month. And I didn't really look to the future except to look to get more experience and be like my senior colleagues. But then after I'd been in practice for some time, I started to set more longer term plans like this year, because we do yearly reporting of our education. And I want to focus on this in my education, my practice, because it will impact my practice this way. So that's what I noticed as I started practicing for a number of years. And then eventually you start to build sort of five-year and 10-year plans. When I was sort of working day to day, it was, I'll take care of myself when I have a brief moment too, because I had three young children as well. So times are really busy. But just like I started developing plans in my practice, finally I was able to develop plans in my taking care of myself. So whether that be exercise or music or being with friends or family, I think what's was really helpful to me is to have a network. And so that network involves some colleagues and involves some friends. And they were people that we would go out together. We might do a sport together. Um, but just having those people who would text you or call you and say, let's do this was really very helpful. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And I think that almost applies to to anybody, really, I think the points that you said there applies to more than just surgeons. I think anybody um, can really take those and apply themselves into their own lives to, to help manage. I think especially now after COVID, because people aren't used to going out anymore. So you really need those people that will text, will call you and say, include you in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working hard and playing hard. That's important. But I think doing the two at the same time as well. So just taking the time during the day to have just a little bit 
of an extra conversation with someone, whether it's a patient or a colleague, um, and just taking the time to find pleasure in the little things that you're doing is, is really where is really self-care. So if you take the time to smile before a conversation, that's also self-care. I don't want to sound like a broken record and bring up COVID, but <laughs> I feel like in your industry, especially, it's pretty relevant. <laughs> um, how did it affect your practice specifically? I was working at the hospital. The fracture clinics emptied out. Nobody was playing sports or getting injured. Oh. And so nobody was breaking their hands. And so <laughs> clinics became empty. And of course, we didn't have operating time. And we weren't allowed to see people in the office. So it was it had a dramatic effect on plastic surgeons and all surgeons. We were still doing only urgent operations. Many of us adopted new technology in our practice and started doing vir virtual consults. But it really has changed how we practice because I find now that we're doing back in office things, I do find things are more relaxed, that they're just that little less formal, which is a really, really good thing for the office. So during our, our pre-interview, you had kind of touched on the story of your brother and how he um, went through an accident and just kind of how that affected you, especially being in the industry. So being able to kind of translate and understand what was going on in the heat of the moment. I don't know if you want to touch a little bit about that and, and that story. I was the person in the friend family group that knew everything that was going on. And um, so I became the conveyor of information, which ended up being a very, very helpful role because I could help people interpret things. And mm -hmm. it helped me understand patients better because I would have patients with a very minor injury. They would be besides themselves with it, not able to work, not able to function. And it really helped me understand the human psyche and how we're all different how my brother had had a very big loss and he just carried on, but other people had a minor thing and it was so big to them. And everyone needs help for what they're going through. So it doesn't lessen what that person has. It just means that they're different and they need a different type of support. So it was very, very good learning for me and understanding, you know, um, doctor-patient relationships and so on. And That makes sense. Did you find it like a bit hard, maybe a bit overwhelming? And then was there anybody who was there to support you while you were the one supporting everybody else? Um, I would say I'm good in stressful situations. So I didn't. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I just raced down to the hospital to be there with them. Oh. And um, yeah, I have a pretty calm disposition. So mm -hmm. were you always very calm in stressful situations or is this something that going to med school and learning to be a surgeon kind of put into you? I think I've had that my whole life. I remember when I first got my driver's license, I was driving again with my older sister beside me. And for some reason, the hood of our car popped open. Oh, gosh. So you couldn't see. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, and I just looked down at the dotted line beside me and we were going through a big curve in the road. So I just oh. carefully moved over until I heard the gravel. And then I slowly stopped the car and she looked at me and said, you're awfully calm. <laughs> Oh and so I think that's just my nature. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great skill to have. I wish yeah. I had that skill. <laughs> me too, me too. It's like a duck. You're calm on top and you're paddling like crazy underneath, yeah. maybe. But <laughs> I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, just to wrap up a little bit, 
if you had a chance to, you know, speak to the people who are listening to the podcast directly and, and anybody who was interested in getting into the profession or just surgery in general, what would you like to tell them? Um, I would tell them that it's a lot of hard, of hard work. It's um, a very rewarding work. And I think most importantly, that it's a privilege taking care of people. It's a privilege that people let you take care of them. And I would say as far as choosing a career, don't choose it at the start of your education. Do things that you like and your career opportunities will open up to you. Be true to yourself because then you'll make connections and people will remember you and, um, and that will open a lot of doors for you. Well, this has been really fun to be able to kind of get a better insight on plastic surgery and what the industry is all about because I I mean, I at least did not know anything really and didn't know what to expect about it, but I know I definitely learned a lot. Well, that was a lot of fun. I'll be interested to see how you put things together.